And this is, it's better to light a candle than to curse the dark. That's the title of my message. And thank you all for coming along and supporting me today. I pray that the Spirit would minister into your hearts. And it's good that we got it on video and we got it on tape, so we'll be able to share it around. And, and please do that. You need to take that and you need to replicate it and send it out. As I say, I've got tapes and stuff upstairs there. Uh, all my stuff is copyright. You have the right to copy it. But copy it right. <laughs> copy it right and send it out. So let's pray. My Lord, we want to thank you and bless you, for we know that the entrance of your words gives light. And we pray that you would bless and let the light of God shine in our hearts in this last session that I will be giving, that people's lives will be blessed and edified, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Amen and amen. I got to thinking about light and just thought a little bit about when you talk about the light, what, is it, what does it conjure up in your mind? And you talk about the light. And I wrote down this, and by no means is this exhaustive or in any way uh, complete, but I said light is that energy that makes things in the dark visible. That which dispels the darkness. Light often is is talked about as illumination. Man, the light dawned on me. The light dawned on me. And in these old cartoons, you used to see a little light above the person's head and the little lights flashing. Man, they got the vision. So it's enlightenment and revelation. If I say, oh, hey, oh brother so-and-so has seen the light. Hallelujah. In other words, it's, it's meaning that revelation and truth, and he's come to a clearer understanding of some of the issues of life, and the enlightenment has come to him. And so the title of my message is, it, it's better to light a candle than to curse the dark. And I think that all of us know it's very easy to curse the dark. <clears throat> oh, you know, in, in New Zealand, wow, man, in the small nation of New Zealand, there's four million. Not so long ago, there's only three and a half million people in New Zealand. The whole of the North Island and the South Island. Now it's about four million people. But you know what? We have 18,000 abortions a year in New Zealand. I mean, in a small nation like that, it's terrible. Man, and we lick our wounds and we go through terrible. Hey, light a candle. Start a rescue home. Start something. Rather than just curse the dark and exaggerate the darkness and let people know how terrible this is. Oh, these alcoholics in our city. Well, start a rescue home a foot away from hell. Man, do something. You know, start to do. I mean, that's what, what Booth did. I mean, he went and started the Salvation Army and went right into the, 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 the bars and whatever and handed out things and etc. Try and do something about lighting a candle rather than cursing the dark. My mom, and she was a blessed, darling saint, she served the Lord for about 75 years, and she died about two years ago now. And I buried her in South Africa. I went back to South Africa to bury my darling mother. And that was a, a touching time. And I said at that funeral, I said, one day I was going down the road, and I saw a bumper sticker on the back of someone's car. And it says, live in such a way that your minister doesn't have to lie at your funeral. 
And I said, I can stand here boldly today and say, when I say my mother was a godly person, she was a lovely woman, and she loved God. And she said to me very often, she says, Mike, never doubt in the dark what God has revealed to you in the light. Now don't forget that. Never doubt in the dark what God has revealed to you in the light. And there are people who have come to this conference here, and a lot of light has been dumped in your bucket. I mean there's been stuff bulging out of your, your ears. You've got so much revelation, so much truth, and so much literature, etc., etc. Now you're going to run with a vision, and you're going to go, and you're going to tell other people, etc. But if you're not careful, please listen to me, if you're not careful, and you don't walk in the light, You'll get just that little bit down the other side of the mountain and you'll begin to doubt in the dark what God revealed to you when you're on the mountaintops. This is a mountaintop experience. This is something that is precious and we go to conferences and that. Man, we get so zealed up and man really stoked up and then we go and then the wheels fall off and the problems and the income tax hits you and this and then your church packs up and everything and then you start to doubt man I just wonder whether that was right hey never doubt in the dark what God has revealed to you in the light but that's not that's not the title of my message the problem with seminars like this and, and conferences like this, and generally in preaching and ministering as we as ministers preach the word, you have a congregation that I talk about as dried peaches. Dried peaches? You know these little dried peaches you buy in a package you buy in the supermarket there, little dry things, they're nice little things. Yeah. Well, there was this man who, who died and he went to heaven. I don't know, they all seem to go to heaven. Eh? I don't know why that is. But anyway, he died and got to heaven. The St. Peter got him out the gate there and took him around for a little bit of tour around heaven and took him to this house, that mansion. And he said, and then he found a room. There was a long room, man, as far, it was narrow, possibly only about as narrow as this, but as, as far as his eyes could see, he thought, well, this must be the library of heaven. He said, well, what, what, Peter, what, what's this? Is this the library? No, 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 son, this is not library. So he said, what is this? He said, have a closer look. And on, on all sides, there were shelves, shelf after shelf after shelf. And he had a look. And on the, on the shelf, there were all these dried peaches all along the line, up there, down there, all over. So, so he said, Peter, what, what, what are all these dried peaches? He said, no, oh, son. He said, they're not dried peaches. They're human ears. He said, ears? What are they here for? He said, well, you see, the ears did the hearing all right, but the bodies did something else. So they gone elsewhere, and the ears came to heaven. <laughs> and you'll have to check out with, with our brother Webb where that is theological. But... <laughs> If you every now and then just feel these ears, they're getting a little bit hard and they probably turn to dried peaches. You're hearing and not doing. And the Bible tells us, and I don't think many people know the fullness of that, that verse in, in, in the book of James. It says, I think it's James chapter 4. Uh, I'm not too sure about that one. Uh, it says this, Be ye hearers of the word and not doers. No. Be ye doers. Just want to see if you're awake. Yeah. Be ye 
doers of the word and not hearers only. How does it go after that? There you go. You see, oh, Josiah's nose. Deceiving your own selves. In other words, what it's saying, if you keep on hearing and don't do, not only will your ears turn to dried peaches, you'll start deceiving yourself. So never doubt in the dark what God has revealed to you in the light. But that's not the title of my message. I'm getting, getting off that, but it's better to light a candle than to curse the dark. <clears throat> now, um, so we, we spend a lot of fruitless time cursing the things that are not going right and the abortions and the same-sex marriages and the homosexuality and all that. Can we light a candle? Can we begin to light a candle? There, there are so many people who are so geared to negativity. Man, once you get them on their hop, boy, they start, man. They wind you up, man. They got so many negative things and whatever. You, and whenever you say, hey, brother, don't be so negative. No, no, I'm not, no, 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 brother, I'm not negative. I'm just, just giving you facts, bro. I'm just giving you facts. Well, they're always giving you facts. They're giving you facts. The negativity. Hey, man, start to light a candle. Do something about it. Start some marriage seminars. Start something that'll start to build and, and raise the bar rather than keep on cursing the dark. And it's, it's very easy to do that. We curse the dark all the time. We say, well, and I want to tell you, I remember years ago reading, a, uh, I think it was a Moody Monthly magazine or one of those magazines, and it talked about people, and I think it was in Cincinnati, and these people, a group of Christians who got sick and tired of all these sex shops and all these jolly pornography shops and stuff and all the prostitute dens and all that. And they started to rise up and they said, man, we are not going to tolerate that in our country, in our, in, our, in, our, in our state. And so they went to the local authorities and they did this and they wrote letters and they got to the press and they got this and nothing was done. So they kept on. And then more and more people came. And more and more people said, listen, keep writing letters. Keep writing letters. Send them to the television station. Send them to the press. Send them to this. And they closed every sex shop, every pornography literature place in the whole place down. I don't know whether it started up again. But they didn't just curse the dark. They lit a candle. And they said, man, we're going to let the light so shine that men will see something about this and they will be drawn to the Savior. The Bible says that. Let your light... Now, just listen to the verse. It, it, it comes from uh, Matthew 5.16, I believe. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you. No. Let your, they'll see your good works and that will cause them to glorify God. Isn't that wonderful? As they see the light shining in you, that'll take them to the, to the true light of God. It'll point them to the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing. You say, man, that's it. So when you live in a, in a marriage situation that just brings glory, and let me say this, man, it's one of my hot buttons. I talk about marriage all the time. And I want to tell you, every wife here, every husband here, don't you stop until your marriage glorifies God. Till your marriage glorifies God. Light a candle. And as people see that, your children. You know why so many people are shacking up today? There's people, they're living out of wedlock. They're living by the millions all over the world. They don't get into covenant. They don't, they don't <coughs> tie the knot. They don't sort of get into a real marriage a situation. No, no, no. They just live together. You know why? Because they've seen such a poor track record. My father and mother got divorced when they married three years and then they dumped me in a crash 
And then my uncle, he got married, and he was married for six months, and she kicked him out. And then my brother, he had daughter, and then she, she found someone else. And, and they look around, they said, man, <clears throat> if this is the institute of marriage, I don't know that I want to live in an institute. This is not the type of institute I want. Man, you know what? I, I am frightened of commitment. So they become frightened of commitment and they'd rather just nibble and try it out and live in fornication rather than getting married and commit themselves to something. And that's why we have some. Why? Because there's such a poor track record. Hey, light a candle rather than curse the dark. Say, God, I'm not going to rest until my marriage glorifies God. And I told some of the standards, some of those people who praise God for you, precious people who are standing for your marriage. God bless you for that. I told them, <clears throat> and I think it's important to understand this, although it is vitally important that you work on that marriage and you work on getting your heart right with God and praying and interceding for your husband or your wife, <coughs> excuse me, or whatever it may be, vitally important to do that. Beware you don't make the restitution of your marriage the restoration of your marriage, an idol. Beware you don't make the restoration of your marriage an idol. And you can do that. You can lose your focus. You've got to keep your focus right. You've got to keep your focus. And in a, if a truth is always made the truth, it becomes an untruth. You know, everything is baptism by image. Everything is speaking in tongues, brother. Oh, hallelujah, bless God, hallelujah. Get the, oh, hallelujah. Everything is that. Baptism, speaking about demons and everything that creeps and crawls. <laughs> oh, he's got a demon in his throat. Uh, bloke got an ear. He, he got, he's, he got a demon in his ear. Uh, you know, man, people just get off the mark, man. They do all sorts of crazy things, man. Let's keep the focus. Let's press in into Christ. Let his spirit be formed in us. Light a candle and say, God, as far as my marriage is concerned, I want my marriage to glorify God. Now listen to me. I'm going to say something, and I don't want you to think, oh, he's being boastful. He's one of those boastful. I promise you before God, I think my marriage is. I think it is. Is there more to go? Yeah, there's still more to go. There's more to learn? Yeah, there's still more to learn. Do I make mistakes? Yeah, every now and again. But I think I'm getting there after 44 years. And, and, and you don't know? You go and check with my wife. Say, how, how's he off the stage? We, we've seen him on the stage. How's he off the stage? Just whisper in her ear. I'll prime her up until you come and ask her that. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> now, I think one of the most touching stories I've heard of someone lighting a candle rather than cursing the dock comes from Africa again. Another one. This time from Rwanda. Now, Rwanda went through a terrible time of absolute genocide where the Tutsi tribe and one of the other tribes, they were at each other's throats all the time. There were hundreds of thousands of people massacred by different tribes, etc. Terrible. <clears throat> and there was this one uh, woman, her and her husband, had a son. And he happened to be in the wrong tribe. And he was killed by the other opposition tribe. <clears throat> And as a result of that, the people who killed him and one of the main persons was put in jail. One of these black men were put in jail. And you know what they did with this man, this, this, uh, this fellow who was killed? 
They took his head and they went onto the football field and they played football with his head. Kicked his head, kicked his head round. That's what they did to the son's head. And when the mother and father heard this, they were devastated, they were sad. But they went down to the jail and they were Christians. And they said to the man who killed their son, who played football with his head on the football field, they said, we, want to, we lost a son, but come here, son. We want to adopt you as our son and make you our own. We will love you, encourage you, and we forgive you for what you've done. Oh, my heart says, my God. If anyone says, I can't forgive my husband, you try forgiving a person played football with your son's head. That's forgiveness. That's the love of God shared abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Better to light a candle than to curse the dog. That's a true story. True story. I've got lots of stories. Tell you some more stories. Very important. Stories are important. Very, very important. The same man who told me the story, his name is Stephen Lungu. He comes from Malawi, but he lived in Malawi and, and, uh, and uh, at least in Zimbabwe and Zambia, etc. He's a wonderful Christian. During the time of the apartheid era in South Africa, he became such a terrorist and fighting for and in Robert Mugabe's army of terrorists, fighting against those in Rhodesia, and also fighting against South Africa on our borders. And he said he was bitter and twisted. He didn't know God anything. And he was miraculously converted. He was miraculously converted. And the Lord changed his life. Now he's going around the world telling his story of how God can change the heart of a rebel and a terrorist into a loving man. And he is. And you don't know what it means for me to see this black man. I mean, he was black as the ace of spades, as black as that. And here he is with a white man who he was under suppression of the apartheid era in his mind. He said, I hated white men, and especially white Africans, South Africans, and white Zambia, Zimbabweans, he said, I hated them. I hated them. And when I saw this brother, I saw him in Auckland, in New Zealand, not so long ago. I walked up to him. I said, brother, Sabonja, Sabonja, Nagunja, Nipilwe. And we just hugged each other, and it was just wonderful. He just loved me like a brother. And I thought, man, that's forgiveness. That's love. Lighting a candle. And he said, you know, in our culture, we don't have ring. We don't give ring. We give cows. So if you've got a, a wife who's a nice size my bobo, a big fat one, she'll fetch good price. Good price. Skinny one. Very few cows. So the father-in-law, he says, we want so many cows for our daughter. Some of you I see you could fetch a good price. Nah. Anyway, some of you not so much. Anyway. <laughs> he says, but my father-in-law, he was a good man. He knew I was studying the scriptures. And he had compassion. I paid one rooster. <laughs> one rooster. Yes, I gave one rooster for my wife. <laughs> anyway, 
And this is what he said. And man, this touched me deeply. This, I hope it touches you like it touched me. He said, you know, when we get married, you know, we, we give a present to the wife and everything. And he says, give a nice present to my wife. And on the honeymoon night, he says, the honeymoon, he says, now he has my wife. She comes, she stands by me. And I'm thinking, now, what's she going to give me now? Some present. And she gives me one envelope. I think, oh, plenty of money, yeah. So I open it up. There's no money. There's one little letter with one line written. And on that line, she says, I give you the gift of my virginity. Isn't that precious? Oh, hallelujah. Better to light a candle than to curse the dog. Teach the young ones. Teach your children coming up. Tell them about Stephen Lungo. Not ten cows, one rooster. And when his wife gave him his wedding present, I give you the gift of my virginity. Would to God that men and woman would take that to heart, light a candle rather than curse the dark. And you see, it's all in the mind. The mind is a powerful thing. The Bible says we've got to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. That's where it happens. That's the battlefield. That's where the devil wants possession of your mind. He wants that. Because he knows that the mind is part of the emotional, soulish area. You see, you have body, soul, and spirit. And the soul is divided into mind, emotion, intellect, and the will. Those are the three, four parts that make up the soulish area. And the devil knows this. If he can get the emotions to increase the judgment and the resistance will decrease. That's why 90%, at one time there was a statistic, over 90% of all the divorces that went through the Supreme Court in the UK were initiated by women. Why? When emotions increase, judgment decrease. I would like to see a statistic three or four, six months afterwards. How many of them would revise and say, you know, I did that in a fit of temper. I, Man, maybe I was stupid. I shouldn't have done. I don't know. I don't know. I can't give you those statistics. But the devil is after the mind. Now, they did an experiment where they had a big aquarium tank as long as this, wide, and they put a big pike, one of these big sort of game fish in there. And they put a whole lot of these little sprat little minnows, these little fish in the little dirt, and they put a whole handful of that in. And Manny had meal on wheels. Manny was chomping these things, and these poor little things are trying to get away. And he was chomping them, and he was having a great time. Put some more minnows in there, and he was chomping them. Now, they were doing an experiment. So after he'd been used to doing this for a couple of days, etc., they waited for him to get right to the end of the tank, turn around, and they quickly slipped halfway through, they slipped a big plate of clear glass, and they put the minnows that side, and he was this side. So he saw his evening meal, and he oh, and he bumped his nose, and he thought, man, what's this? He went again, 
And he did that two or three times and he went a bit slower next time. Then he swam up slower and he bumped and he turned around and turned around and he went. And every time he came back, the third, fourth, fifth time, he got slower and slower. He could see the minnows, but he knew they weren't up for grabs. So something happened in his mind. He said, I don't know what it is. I can't work it out. But somehow... The meal on wheels is not available anymore. So he tried again, and he bumped his nose again. Couldn't work it out. So when he had come up here, just shaking his head a bit, they slipped the glass out. And the minnow started swimming freely, right around him, up his nostrils round, and the pike starved to death in that tank. He wouldn't eat those minnows. You see the power of the mind. When the mind has become so conditioned, then you don't even try anymore. How many realize that as far as marriage and being a standard? When you said, it's hopeless. It's been 10, 15 years now. He's never going to come right. And just have some of these good preachers come along and say, oh, sister, yay, yay. Remember I told you yesterday, yay, yay, jump in the bay. This nonsense, they're coming. Oh, I, handmaiden, I found a man for thee. They, yay. You just have to have a couple of those come along and give you the word and what have you, etc. And then you start to doubt. Never doubt in the dark what God has revealed to you in the light. And you start to think, man, I wonder now. So the mind is so powerful. When you stand up and your mind sits down, you're not going to make the decision to chomp the meal and wheels anymore. You know they're not up for grabs. You can have a circus elephant and you put a big chain around his leg and he's outside of the tent going like this and he feels and he can't walk. He can't walk. And you put peanuts there and eating the peanuts, walk around, can't walk. He's got this chain and a big peg in the ground. You do that after a long time, then you can just put a bit of string there and he won't break it. He's conditioned his mind. I'm not supposed to go any further than this. Now that's the thing. And that's how the devil works. He works through the mind, the area of the mind. And if he can get you in your mind to concede or to give in, he will do it. And you won't accomplish anything. If you conform, you'll stay down. Now, I'll give you a story here. If you turn to the book of Numbers, Numbers in the Old Testament, just read it quickly. We're looking at the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. <clears throat> and this is about the spies. We all know the story. The spies went out to spy out the land. And they went out, all of them went out to spy out of the land. And then they came back to Joshua to give a report. Now I want you to look at this, Numbers chapter 13 and verse 26 and following, we're going to read that. Numbers 13 verse 26. And they went and they came to Moses and Aaron, I said Joshua, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh. And they brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation. They brought the word back, the report of what they'd found out of the being out spies in the land. And they showed them the fruit of the land. Man, this is a wonderful land. Man, look at these grapes. They're as big as pomegranates, man. Look at them. We carry these, these grapes. They, man, this is a land flowing with milk and honey, man. Whew, wonderful. Verse 27. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely, man, it flows with milk and honey. This is the right place. It's a good place. And then, nevertheless, Wait, 
Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. Man, they are so big. Their arms are as big as tree trunks. These guys are colossal, man. Man. So nevertheless, the people that dwell in the land and in the cities, the walled, and they're very great. And more, man, have you, have you seen the children of Anak? Oh, they are giants. They are humongous, man. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Canaanites and all those. He goes on there in verse 30. And Caleb still the people. He said, hold on. You're giving a negative report. You're cursing the dark. We need to light a candle, not to curse the dark. And he said, now listen, hold on. Caleb, Caleb still the people before Moses and said, let us go at once and possess this land. For we are well able to overcome them. But the men that went up with him said, What? Biggest tree trunks, man. Arms, bulging muscles. You never, there's no way. They are humongous. We be not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched out of the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up all the people that come. It eats up its inhabitants. Man, this is a land that's going to consume us. And these people, they are massive. They are so great in stature. Now, I want you to look at the next verse. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak which came of the giants. Now watch carefully, this array of words. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. We were in our own sight. You see, the pike, in his own sight, in his own mind, he had conformed. Those little minnows are not up for grabs anymore. He was conditioned to believe that, and he starved to death in the tank. You see, when we program our minds to defeat, we are not able. There's no way, there's no way my marriage will ever come. I know six other standards have stood for 35 years. And their hair is gray. They withered up like that old prune there that I showed you. And they never come right. And I'll say, listen. When I was a, 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 in, a, in a firm that I worked once, I remember this very clearly. <laughs> it was so funny. This manager, he got on the phone. And he phoned down to the timber yard. I worked in a timber company. I was only young. He said, hey, Joe, there's a very good builder here. He's just coming to the office. He wants so many planks and so many things. Now, he's in a big hurry. I want you to get that stuff out, and he better be out of the yard in 10 minutes. Do you understand? Because he's a very busy man. Do you understand that? Yeah? And he said, no, 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 hold on before you go. If you don't get him out of the yard in 10 minutes, I'm coming down there personally, and I'll knock your head off and push it up your nose. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember that bloke. I was only young. I remember, I'll knock your head off and push it up your nose. We need to tell Satan that every now and again. Listen, hey, don't you come with this business that 35 years she stood and it didn't come right. Uh, but we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. Man, they were massive. No, no, in your own sight. It's how you perceived it in your mind. Be a Caleb. Don't have the grasshopper mentality. Be a Caleb and said, give me this mountain. I am as strong today, 80 years of age plus. When I went out to spy out of the land, I was a young man in my 40s or 35s or whatever. Now I'm an old man. Give me that mountain. I'm strong as I am today, stronger as I was when I went out of the, gone spy out of the land 30, 40 years ago. It's all in the mind. Give me that mountain. Light a candle. Don't curse the dark. Not in our own sight. We were as. No, 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 no. We're going to say, hey, Caleb, we want the Caleb spirit. Give me that mountain. I am not going to take no for an answer. I want my marriage to glorify God. I want my behavior to glorify God. I'm going to do all within my power to love God. And, and listen, ladies, please listen. Make yourself more beautiful, more precious, more loving, more kind, more gentle, so that he's got something good to come back to. Because you've got a bit of competition out there. Some little chick, you know, is all nice and sweet, and you look, you've got the battle of the bulge a little bit. You make yourself kind and nice and lovely. I'm not saying you have to be all dressed up like a Christmas tree, but I'm just saying, you know, just, just, just be, hey man, I've got some competition here. I praise God, I'm going to be, but I'm going to be sweet in my spirit. Loving, kind, and gentle. And you know what? Men like that. I want to tell you, men like that. These women who think, big deal, you know, sort of John Wayne thing, you know, big, uh, yeah, big cigar, tattoos all over the arm, taking up karate. No, 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 no. The bloke is scared stiff of you, man. He'll run him out. You just be gentle and sweet. Be a woman. Act like a woman. Smell like a woman. Speak like a woman. Think like a woman. That's difficult. Think like a woman. Whatever. <laughs> but be, be feminine. Men like femininity. Don't be the strong macho thing. They like it when you smell sweet. It's lovely. <laughs> oh. Preach your brother. Yeah. <clears throat> it says here in the, in the Word, in Matthew chapter 6, you don't have to turn up, Matthew chapter 6, verse 23, it says this, Be sure that the light, I want you to think about this, that is in you, be not darkness. You ever thought about that? The light that is in you be not darkness. Matthew 6 verse 23. How can the light that is in you be darkness? That's amazing. How can the light that is in you be darkness? I want to tell you how the light that is in you can be darkness. When you are so convinced and you're deceived, the longer a man is wrong, the more he thinks he's right. <clears throat> and the light that you thought was light can start to become darkness. 
And there are many people who are deceived. And then it says here in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 35, another good one. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in you be not darkness. For if it is, how great is that darkness. And people get deceived, not only in this whole subject of divorce and divorce and remarriage, etc. They get deceived on so many issues. And I say it's because they have doubted in the, in the dark what God revealed to them in the light. They didn't light a candle. They cursed the dark. They kept on looking at the negative. And they weren't building positivity. We can, man, I'm trying to encourage people all the time to be positive, to be positive. Don't walk into a departmental store and say, hey, um, <clears throat> Uh, excuse me, sir, uh, you wouldn't have any of these six-inch nails, would you, sir? You wouldn't have any of these. No, don't tell him what he wouldn't have. Go and ask him he's got him. Don't be negative. This glass is half full, you know. No, 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 or half empty. You know, uh, be positive. People uh, come with such negativity. Now, I want to tell you something which is vitally important. I usually tell people this in my seminars. Very important to understand this. Please get this. So important that the the... The scientists and, and, and those who study these things have found out that the nervous system, please listen, cannot tell the difference between a vividly imagined situation and an actual situation. Let me prove it to you. You have a nightmare, had too much pizza, and you're tossing away, man, and some guy's got a knife and he's chasing you at the edge of a cliff and you're coming, man, and you, you're getting to the edge. <laughs> and your husband's like, ooh. <laughs> what, what happened? Probably got a big hole in the wall here. Uh, uh, oh, oh, oh. You, man, your heart is pumping, your eyeballs are sticking out of your nut, man, and you look like you've changed. Oh, oh, the adrenaline is pumping and your heart is just about jumping out of your mouth. You haven't even left the bed. But you see, the nervous system could not tell the difference between a vividly imagined and an actual. And what happens, it will begin to work toward what you're vividly imagining. And the adrenaline will start pumping, the muscles will start tensing up, you start there, your heart will start pumping, etc. because you're vividly imagining. So you keep on vividly imagining negativity, it's going to work towards fulfilling what you're imagining all the time. This happens. The guy's playing out golf then, he comes to the golf and he looks over, he says, whoa, there's a few alligators in that little pool over there, and sure, man, hey, caddy, give me an old ball. What's he done? He's programmed his mind already. He's going to knock his ball into the drink. And sure enough, he goes into the drink. He knows it. You see, so we've got to, got to have our minds programmed. This idea, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. In our own sight. Yeah, that's the problem. We've got to get our minds reprogrammed. We've got to say, Lord, I don't want the light that is in me to be darkness. I want to walk in the light as he is in the light. And I found out he's in the light always. Lord, let me walk that way. Let me walk in obedience to God. Let me be really implicitly obedient and sensitive to the slightest impressions of the Spirit. I was preaching in a weekend seminar down the coast in South Africa years ago. And there was a, I don't know, I told you this. I preached so many places I can't remember half the time. But, you know, be kind, you know, if I've told you, say, oh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah, just, just be kind. He's getting on in age. No, that's negative. He's a young lad. 
And and I, I told this this woman that, you know, about keeping the speed limit. Did I tell you that one? And I, this, this lady, there's an Indian lady, and I said, now listen, you know, you've got to act as if God is your policeman. Don't just sort of go driving down the road if your speed limit is 60 miles an hour or something like that, and all of a sudden you see a cop and, stuff, and you just put on your brakes and <laughs> just drive 40 or whatever, and then, and then you take off. No, no, don't do that. Just, just remember that God is your policeman. And he's watching you at 3 o'clock in the morning as you drive. Don't go through red lights. No, no, no. You just do it as unto the Lord. And you let him know that he, Lord, I want to be obedient to you. You said I must be obedient to governments and to this and the powers that be. You're not too sure about that. Go and read Romans chapter 13. It's very clear. So, Lord, let me, let me do this. So I'm preaching like this. And I say, now, how many of you people really are sensitive about keeping the speed limit? So, man, we come to having our uh, meal that night, and one of the ladies come to me. She says, you know what? You've just blown it. I said, I've blown it? Well, what do you mean I've blown it? She said, you know, I have a big high-ace combi thing that I take about six women to work every, every day. And I haven't even got a driver's license. I said, oh, you've got the problem, not me. So I said, now, what are you going to do? You've got the light. The light has come now. Now, just now, you see, Jesus said to some people once, he said, just now you said you didn't see. Now you see, now there remains no more cloak for your sins. I said, when the light or the enlightenment comes, then keep the candle alight. Keep, keep it burning. Keep it burning. Keep walking in the light and be obedient. But you see, if you keep on walking in disobedience, just ever so slightly, keep on walking in disobedience, disobedience, eventually, the Bible says, you have your conscience seared with a red-hot iron. And a red Indian was asked once, what is your definition of conscience? He said, conscience, three-cornered thing in my heart. Stand still when I'm good, but when I'm bad, ooh, turns around and the corners hurt a lot. But when I keep on doing bad, corners wear off, it doesn't hurt anymore. Never doubt in the dark. God's revealed to you in the light. Because the corners can wear off after a while if you don't keep your spirit sensitive. Walking in obedience. Walking in the light. Lighting a candle rather than cursing the dark. I'll end with a final story. <clears throat> a dear old lady, possibly in her 70s, I think she was, Husband and her have been married for well over 50 years or whatever, 45 years. She came home one day, found a note, I think it was under the milk bottle. Dear, I thought it right to tell you that I have found someone else. And she's so understanding and so loving, I'm leaving you for her. This dear old woman was absolutely devastated. True story. Devastated. He left her and went and lived with this other woman. And lived for a number of years. This dear woman was a real, totally dedicated, committed Christian. And the woman that he went to live with wasn't. And eventually, after a while, the woman that he went to live with got sugar diabetes. It got so, so bad that eventually her health started to de deteriorate and she went blind. 
Then her dear husband died and left the blind woman who stole her husband, sugar diabetes, blind. This loving Christian woman who was cheated out of her husband went and knocked on the door and went to this lady and said, Dear, I forgive you for what you did. And I want to become your eyes. And she took her shopping. She took her down to the beach. She drove the car. She explained how the seagulls were just coming and fighting over a little bit of bait on the thing. And she became her eyes and blessed that woman with reading to her, encouraging everything. And I heard the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You lit a candle rather than curse the dark. And everyone said, keep on preaching, brother. We like it. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for your blessing. We want to thank you for your love. And we thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for this precious time that we've had together. Lord, help us all in our own individual walk to ask ourselves the question, am I cursing the dark? Or am I going to be proactive and light a candle? Lord, if we keep on lighting candles, that light will shine more and more unto the perfect day. And we thank you for every one of these precious people that have come along and given up their time and given up their finance, their resources and their energies to come and sit hour after hour listening to people speak at a conference. May your blessing be upon each one of them. May there be a great anointing. May they not have a grasshopper spirit, but Lord, may they have the Caleb, the spirit of Caleb. Give me this mountain. And we thank you for loving us in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.